You taught me not to hide from it, but to have the guts to shine a light directly into the darkest corners. Walter Skinner, The X-Files. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kentad Svensgaard, and along with me, as per use, please say hello to Mr. AJ Mass. As per use, hello right back. AJ, how you feeling? I am feeling really good. Um, I, you know, maybe I should have toned down the the happiness <laughs> when we get <laughs> yeah. into the episode itself. Not a very happy episode, but uh, what Criminal Minds episodes are. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a generally a laugh fest. You know what? We have to bring whatever we have to bring to it. And I'm actually well. By the time people are hearing this, okay, it's not going to be the start of spring, but right now <laughs> for me, <laughs> it's start the of start winter. of winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah. But right now, I'm feeling I'm feeling hope eternal. Spring is in the air. The snow it's not quite all melted away yet, but it's mostly melted away. I'm feeling renewed, so I, I'm happy to be here and, and to do this thing that we do. Excellent. Well, uh, let's get to it, shall we? Because uh, this is this is an episode that I really uh, enjoy watching, so I'm, I'm happy to discuss it. Yes, and uh, I should mention this is a podcast about the show. Criminal Minds. Each week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. I have never seen this show before, or this episode before. I've seen the show now at this point, but uh, I'm watching these episodes fresh and bringing to it the first view perspective. Meanwhile, our grizzled veteran AJ has seen each and every episode many times, plenty of times, uh, fallen asleep to them, woken up to them, I'm sure. (laughs) Has experienced them. I wake up nice and fresh, fresh, exciting. <laughs> do, 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 do. No, I don't, I don't show my age at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, we cool with that. So we are talking this week about season four, episode 11 of Criminal Minds. The episode title is Normal. And uh, this particular episode was written by Andrew Wilder and directed by Steve Boyum. And it originally aired on December 17th, 2008. AJ, let's talk alternate titles. Let's uh, let's let's start with you. I usually give you mine first, but uh, why don't you go for it? Oh, usually get usually give yours first, which gives me time to vamp and think. Uh, no, uh, actually, I thought normal was actually a pretty good title for this one. Usually, usually I'm like, eh. but I, I like normal, and I like the fact that our main character's name is Norman. So maybe normal Norman would have been a nice little swing on it. But if I was going to just go outside the box, perhaps maybe the slow and the dubious. <laughs> the slow and the dubious. I actually uh, just used the title of something else, a 1970s, I'm not going to call it a classic, but a uh, 1970s uh, film. I called this episode Norman. Is that you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we had Will Wheaton at the Bates Motel, so I didn't want to go there. <laughs> actually, I'm talking about a, a classic Red Fox movie. That uh, was actually, in hindsight, pretty homophobic and maybe terrible. So I <laughs> don't yeah. want to. You could have stopped that know. red box. <laughs> oh, God. Bam, 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 bam. 
Lamont. <laughs> Uh, let's actually, uh, get into the episode. We open with the, I gotta say, this is probably one of the most familiar stock shots or, uh, you know, that Orange County freeway in Los Angeles. I've seen that, maybe not that exact shot, but I've seen that overhead of the Orange County freeway plenty of times. Yeah, between that and LAX, I mean, it's pretty much, those are standard, you know, all that was missing was the Hollywood sign. <laughs> Santa Monica <laughs> Beach, maybe? <laughs> And uh, so we do cut to pretty much right away a suburban home and uh, assistant director Skinner from the X-Files is married to Corky from Murphy Brown. Two two weeks in a row with Murphy Brown. Hey, hey. Yeah. We go Buto and then Fate Ford. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we immediately get a sense of, of what's going on here because... She's a the wife. Uh, she's a little bit harshly criticizing a, a tie that he's wearing, and she's feeling like she's got to rush off to some party that apparently is being thrown for her. She can't be late. And Director Skinner, or shall we call him Norman, because that is his character's name in this show, he's wearing a suit. Uh, she's left at this point, and you get sort of the, for you, lack of a better word, henpecked. Type of vibe for this guy. It's exactly uh, what I've written down on my notes as well. Henpecked hubby. Yes. So he heads off to his garage. She's already left. Uh, we can see he has quite a collection of model cars that he clearly cares about. He picks up one. Uh, apparently it's an Aston Martin. We find that out much later in the show. Uh, he gives it a quick touch up with his paint, his little paintbrush. He's sort of. Admires it for a bit, and then we see that he's carrying with him a gift box. I would say the type that would perhaps hold maybe long stem flowers, something like that. And uh, he puts that into his SUV, and he leaves his home. And so next we see him driving along, and there is a, uh, a blonde woman behind him, and she seems to be very impatient. She honks at him, decides she's going to get around him basically very rudely speeds up and cuts him off in sort of a scary way that like I would hate it if a person did that to me. Yeah. She, she, she literally cuts him off to the point where he, he has to like boy to swerve. Like, you know, it, yeah. it, you know, I mean, go around and honk, maybe <laughs> the cutting in front of him was a little rude. <laughs> yeah. So he does the thing where he's angry. So he's got to pull up next to her as soon as he can. He motions for her to roll her window down, and she's a she's a busy LA person. She's got her headset on. She's on a call, of course, but she does roll down roll down her window. Then she starts talking at him, but we don't actually hear the conversation. Uh, we just can kind of see their animated faces. Uh, but it looks like she's basically chewing him out, <laughs> and he doesn't seem to be able to get a word in edgewise with her there is a one car per green light sign that comes on and she drives off and and our boy norman he just looks hurt he looks confused he looks a little bothered and the tense music starts playing and he looks over at the gift box and then he speeds up chases after her catches up with her and she looks over and yes, he has got a shotgun pointed directly at her. He shoots 
and uh, it's enough to cause her car to crash and flip over. Yeah, epic, an epic flip over. Yeah. That I mean, I gotta say, the stunt man on this earned, earned his yeah. pay. That that car flipped. They slow moted it, flipped it, tumbled. <laughs> Forward roll, backwards roll. <laughs> I give Nadia a ten. <laughs> <laughs> so Norman, he drives off. He's actually looking elated and happy, proud of himself, or not proud, uh, satisfied. Uh, and he arrives at whatever party he was going to, and again, he has this air of self confidence that he didn't have before when he walks into that party. He's greeting all his co-workers uh, walking how you doing hi shaking their uh, a lot hands. of a lot of finger guns going on <laughs> yeah 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 oddly enough yeah uh he's as he's greeting everyone we see that his wife uh sees this and she's looking at him like what what the hell got into this guy we cut to a little bit later and they're in bed i will say after the deed and and <laughs> they uh, just had sex <laughs> yeah and He's just got this kind of strange look in his face, and she's just like, "Oh, honey, what? I wonder what got into you tonight." She, you know, seems actually happy to see this side of Norman, but he just has this strange look on his face. And then we cut to later, and she is sleeping, and he has the same expression on his face he that has he not had. Moved. He has not moved in hours. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Norman gets up, and we see him. Uh, walk, start to walk through his house at night, and he's looking, and he's clearly got uh, some daughters because he's coming to bedrooms, and they all have girls' names on the doors. Uh, first, he stops at Sasha's door, and then he stops at someone named Brittany's door, and then there is Jenny, who apparently is the little princess. It says "little princess" on it. So I think. They're trying to uh, be subtle here, but it's not so subtle. He's surrounded by women. I think we get we get that from this scene, at least. Uh, I think the average viewer would pick that pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, look, we've we've seen we've seen his henpecked self, and we've seen his now post uh, shooting uh, happy go lucky self. And the only question is 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 this normal for him? Ha <laughs> ha. Ah. Or not? We do see, all of a sudden, a quick flash of him, and he's working on his shotgun. He's, 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 he's got to do some machine wo- shop work on it, AJ. He's, he's sawing off the barrel. And, would, would, you uh, say, would you say he might be using an X-file on that shotgun? Uh, I, uh, wait, uh, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> you didn't do it maybe i would have at some point but uh anyway we see him just a real quick shot again of him shooting at the woman in the car and then we cut to our credits criminal minds criminal minds criminal minds criminal minds it's criminal we are back and <laughs> we're on the uh, bau jet and we get an opening quote from hotch every normal man must be tempted at times to spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, and begin to slit throats. H.L. Mencken. Title mention. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, uh, I mean, I've heard the name H.L. Mencken before, but 
man, that's a quote. <laughs> what, what, what are you writing about, HL? Uh, <laughs> anywho, we uh, are in the BAU off. Uh, sorry, on the jet, and Agent Todd is explaining the case to the team. Apparently, the woman we saw shot, Judy Hannity, she actually survived the shooting and the car crash, but she is at at the moment paralyzed from the waist down. Can, can I just say here, uh, Judy Hannity? Uh, of course, she survived the shot, played by Elaine Hendricks, who uh, for the past, I guess, four years has been Alexis on the reboot of Dynasty. <laughs> so, if if anyone's going to uh, survive a shooting. It's going to be the woman playing Alexis on Dynasty because that Alexis knows how to survive shooting. <laughs> and fights in the swimming pool. Uh, <laughs> but however, there have been second and third victims shot, apparently, and they're both dead. It seems like maybe our shooter is learning because they've been using different vehicles in each shooting. The Victim Judy did describe the shooter as a normal-looking middle-aged white man in an SUV, which I'm sure narrows that down in Orange County. (laughs) uh, They just got called in. The BAU just got called in now because the cops have realized that these shootings are related. It appeared like the second and third crimes were different weapons, but as Rossi points out, it's actually the same weapon, but the spread pattern is indicated that it was the it was a shotgun that had been sawed off at some point. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I get that perhaps LAPD is not uh, going to get sawed off shotgun reports all the time, but I, they're not going to be able. I, <laughs> they're not going to yeah. know that a shotgun and a sawed off shotgun. Like, they're not going to know. Of course, they're going to know. Yeah, I, this, this was an explanation for the audience. Right, exactly. That and was for the, us. And, and this, this is not the last one we have this week, which is... But anyway. <laughs> uh, so apparently uh, we have the media, the crazy media. They've nicknamed this guy the Road Royer. <laughs> so he's, make, he's, making, he's making anti-Semitic phone calls to his family. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. not that Road Warrior. I'm sorry. <laughs> so... Uh, the team has to explain to uh, Todd why this kind of criminal is hard to catch, uh, basically because the victims aren't personal to the killer. So she says, well, how do how are we going to catch him? And Hotch says, we got to build a solid profile. Then we're going to release it to the public with an appeal for help. Somebody out there knows this guy. And Agent Todd says, and it's my job to make them realize. And Hotch <laughs> gives her kind of a little look here. like. It's like he still has a problem. He has a problem with Agent Todd. It's not. I don't think he has a problem with Agent Todd, actually. I think it's just like he's so used to JJ just doing her job and not making a big deal about it that he's like, oh, oh, this isn't JJ. That's right. Yeah. Uh, It's just, you know, a reminder that she's not JJ. And perhaps it's because she... Tried to say the dramatic line at the end of a scene, and Hotch was like, "That's my job to say the dramatic <laughs> line before we go on to the next scene." Hey, hey, I don't, I don't know if you think you're going to be here for six or seven seasons, Meta Golding, but slow <laughs> your roll. 
Anyway, so we next cut over to the uh, Orange County Sheriff Sheriff's Office. And I'm so glad to see our next guest star, the great Gina Torres. Oh, uh, the great Gina Torres. Uh, what what does she do that she can't do perfectly? From Suits? <laughs> yes. She was Jasmine on, on Angel? Oh, yes. We love Gina oh, Torres. Yeah. Firefly. So, yeah, she's our local detective, Detective Salinas. And uh, after we get the usual introductions, Detective Salinas lets uh, Agent Todd know that they've set up a tip hotline. Todd goes off to deal with the media, and Salinas seems to actually have everything in hand. She seems to be a competent uh, local detective. <laughs> She's got the support groups. she got support standing by. She has everything they need, all the information they need right there. She tells them there's nothing solid coming through, and she, she explains that there's three things that the OC has plenty of. <laughs> I like the uh, that we now always are going to call it the OC. She says, <laughs> she says, freeways, news coverage, and blonde female luxury car owners. I'm just upset that she didn't go. Welcome to the OC, Hatch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, she does have a kind of a funny line when Reed asks if people are are seeming pretty scared, and she says. Uh, she could ask for a submarine and get it if she wanted it, basically. Uh, Orange County's got the money. It's such a refreshing change from the usually it's the, the small town. Oh, gosh, I don't know what you guys nice need. Like, or I didn't want my idea to bring you in here. It's just like, <laughs> hey, look, we got everything covered. We, we're confident. We know what we're doing. We just don't do profiles. and We know we need a profile. So that you're here to do that. But we got this. Exactly. And so we cut to the shot of our, our the crime board being set up, and uh, we see Prentice Hotch and Morgan discussing the case and how the first crime seemed a little bit different, or actually dramatically different from the last two. The first one, one was in the day on a crowded freeway, very, very high risk. And then our criminal sawed off his shotgun, lowered his risk by switching to nighttime, started changing his car. So from that, they can surmise that he maybe wasn't planning on murder the first time. And from that, they can surmise that the, the SUV that he was seen in is probably his actual car. They do wonder why he had a shotgun if he wasn't planning a murder. Uh, what set him off? What caused him to pull the trigger? And uh, so Hotch decides that they need to go re-interview the first victim. And I said... To myself, yeah, because you're not going to get anything from the second or third victim <laughs> being their dad. Being their dad, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, perhaps the better choice of words were the survivor <laughs> would have been nice, but yeah. <laughs> so next we cut to the hospital room of the victim. I mean, I mean, it's it's a, it's a refreshing change for for them to go interview this this survivor of an attack and not have them die immediately after talking to. Them. Right, <laughs> we've seen that a couple times already. Right, Mrs. Hannity is uh, is there with her son, who is kind of watching over her, looking up when the uh, agents walk in, but uh, she lets him know. Judy Hannity lets him know that it's okay and. His son leaves the room with Prentice and he's talking to Prentice and 
basically he feels pretty guilty because she was actually driving to his school because he got in trouble. And so she wouldn't have even been in the car. Otherwise she probably would have been at work. Uh, meanwhile, we cut into Hotch who's hearing the story from, from Judy and it's basically everything is the same as we saw. And she admits straight up to being impatient. She admits that she cut him off and that when he tried to talk to her, she actually told him off. And we sort of see the scene play out from before, but this time we can hear it. And she's saying to Norman, oh, you want to talk about your feelings like you're some chick? You drive like an old lady. Uh, so, yeah, basically emasculating him uh, and tearing him down, not even letting him get an, a word in edgewise. And she admits, you know what? She probably wouldn't have done that, but he just seems so normal. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she says, otherwise, if I, you know, if I knew he was crazy, I wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not only that, but like you would expect, you'd expect when someone has chased you down after you cut them off and you'd expect the actual to be rage in the road rage. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, excuse me, could you roll down your window, please? Right. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say, I'm just very, I don't, like, that's not exactly what you expect for someone who had the, the you know, the hoots about to track you down. So, uh, Hotch leaves her, lets her son go back into her, and Prentice asks what happened, and Hotch says, basically, she made it personal. So, when yeah. she started digging into him. I will say, I will say, there's a nice little touch here. This is this is why I like this episode, I think, is because the, I feel like all the characters are really well written to who they are. And just the fact that Hotch took a moment to tell the son that he was doing a really good job taking care of his mom. I mean, that is such projection of what he wants to say to, to Jack now that, you know, we're separated and you're taking care of your mom. And like, uh, like I, I think that's such a really nice, nice moment. To, for Hatch, you know? So uh, we then go back to the sheriff's office and we see Reed standing over maps as usual and he's uh, talking to Detective Salinas. He's explaining to her that based on the victimology, these victims probably repre represent a specific person, either our, our shooter's wife or girlfriend. And Salinas asks Reed, well, why wouldn't he just kill the actual person? And Reed explains that the actual person, a scapegoat for his own personal feelings. And if he kills her, then he loses his scapegoat. Uh, makes sense. He also thinks that the killer lives in a particular area that he's pointing at on the map. And he asks Salinas what some of these uh, icons are that are on the map. They're sort of dotting all over the map. And she explains that it's uh, road work. And that seems to set Reed's mind spinning. He's got an idea now. And so now we cut over to the conference room. Hotch is talking and telling them what's been happening. And all of a sudden, Reed bursts in and says, so out of the 30 road work sites and the kill zone, only two were alternate merges. So we get a whole explanation now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Emily has to ask, what's an alternate merge? <laughs> Seriously? 
I mean, I know she doesn't do the driving, and yes, she was an ambassador's daughter and probably, you know, tooled around Europe her whole life. You can't tell me Emily don't know what an alternate merge is. Come on. Come on. Really? Really? As you said a few times, they're going to give stuff to us for our benefit rather than... Oh, but... Who doesn't? What? Yeah. The children watching who don't have their license yet? Who doesn't know what an alternate merge is? It's not, it's not a concept unique to Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a way to say, hey, these were alternate merges, which means, and just, you know, right. like he was probably waiting and trying to lure. Like, that's fine. But to actually have to stop and say, alternate merge, you know, where one car goes and then the other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. A shotgun, you know, a gun that has several shots in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, basically you you have narrowed it down to what the point is, is that at this type of traffic conditions, this, this guy can actually set up this confrontation. And so what he's probably doing is seeking out these particular sites where there is an alternate merge and then... He just keeps going through them <laughs> again and again until he gets someone that actually fits his victim type and cuts him off, <laughs> which seems like a, a lot. <laughs> like you're spending your we don't know how much time has passed, though, to be fair. So but <laughs> this is true. And you know what? There's there's four things that the MC. <laughs> yeah. And number four is drivers who are willing to cut you off. <laughs> yes. So they decide that, which is good detective work here. Prentice says, you know, well, we then right away, we got to shut down all these alternate merge sites. And I'm hoping it's not like 50. Um, it seems like, I guess Reed mentioned there were, were two uh, at the time. But uh, yeah, they got to shut those sites down. And then Morgan says, yeah, so we also need to talk to the crews that work at these sites. And Salinas asks Hotch, well, what, what are you getting from all this? And meanwhile, during Hotch's speech, we get a shot of, of Norman and he's working on his weapons uh, in the shop again. Uh, yeah, he's, he's working fine, on he's a shot technique. He's, yeah. uh, he's making it so it's easier to set up in the car. <laughs> he's got a little. He's, he's building a little brace platform for it so it can yeah. hook right over the window. <laughs> Improved aim. Yeah. And basically, we hear the Hotch say that the impersonal killers are like drug addicts. And for the first time they do it, it gives them this high. And then after that, there's no other high quite as good. And so he keeps chasing after that high. And it's really all he can think about right now. So he's setting the same situation up, hoping to get the same results. And he's uh, become obsessed with improving his skills and, and getting his weapon just right. And he figures if he can get everything just right and get everything perfected, he'll feel that first high again. So he'll never accept that he won't get that again. And so he's never going to stop. Never. He says dramatically. <laughs> Can't stop. Won't stop. Never stop. Never stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so next we cut to a traffic site somewhere. And uh, Salinas, Rach, Rossi, and Hotch are talking to a city worker type. He was working when one of the shootings happened. Uh, apparently, he was a guy who would be like the dude that would hold the sign saying, slow down. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, Okay, you know what? Thank you for your service. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they ask him, I mean, at first he's kind of scoffing at them, like, you want me to remember somebody? <laughs> Which is very fair on his part. But when they start to des- describe him, that this would be a guy who drove through over and over again, driving slow, like he was actually trying to get someone to cut him off. Our, our city worker actually does remember a guy like that. And our city worker says, I, I just thought he was lost, which I was like, he's doing it time and time again. And he's, he, he thinks, yeah. okay. <laughs> but, but he remembers him. And I remember, I told Tony's, I said to Tony's, I said. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he dressed like a hard ass, but drove like a chick. He wore a, le- wore a leather jacket, mirrored sunglasses, even though it was dark out. So, yeah. yeah. There's a nice exchange here where he's like, he drove like a chick, no offense. Yeah. <laughs> None taken. Exactly. <laughs> the chick might get offended, but of course, Gina Torres ain't going to be offended by that. And it's kind of ironic because he says drove like a chick, which is exactly what the our first victim said that she yelled at him. Yeah. You drive like a chick. <laughs> yeah, even though he's changed his costume, he now is uh, starting to uh, at least try to appear to be the road, every bit the road warrior. And... Uh, Salinas asks him if, if he remembers anything else, and the worker says, well, he got cut off by a car, uh, and he struck his he stuck his arm out across the front seat, but after that moment, he didn't see him come through again, and so then he shows Hotch what he was doing, and so it, it looked like he was actually holding someone back in the other seat, apparently, is, is kind of... Again, the over-explanation here. He stopped short and immediately threw his hand out across the seat. Yeah, he stopped. Yes, it's a parental move or a spousal move. Like, oh, brace you. Don't, 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 don't get hit. The work seatbelts, I'm sure, but, you know, you instinctively do that. The stop short. It's a stop short, Jerry. <laughs> yes. He stole my move. But, yeah, I mean, do we need, like, an extra explanation for this? Probably not, AJ. I think we do want to get out the fact that he did this, but it was strange to this guy because the dude was alone. Now, there you go. That's the important information. (laughs) Yeah. And so now we have surmised Hotch has saying, well, we have a small SUV that would be a family vehicle. So with that and the hand gesture, uh, we're probably talking about a married guy with kids. If he's breaking from reality and he's lashing out at all the surrogates for his life, it's only going to be a matter of time, unfortunately, before he tries to wipe out the real thing. So they need to get their profile out as soon as possible. Time to deliver the profile. I love, though, that they work on this show. They work together as a team to craft this profile, and they adjust it and adjust it. But anyone at any time has the ability to go, it is time to deliver the profile. Yes. They get that one piece of missing information. They're like, I declare <laughs> profile time. The number of different people in different situations just like, and it's not like everybody's there. Right. When this revelation, but it's it's just it's, it's just a funny thing to notice going forward. Is like who gets to say it's time to deliver the profile? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we cut to our profile scene, and basically, what we're learning is that this unsub is suffering from a masculine identity crisis, and something something in his life set him off. And, and Judy Hannity was the trigger, but something had to turn him into a serial killer. So there was some sort of trauma that must have happened in his life, which caused some kind of psychotic break. And so 
Uh, this guy probably feels like less than a man. He feels probably like a failure as a father and a husband. And we cut to him wearing an apron at this moment, like in a flashback scene. <laughs> That's a nice uh, touch. And uh, he walks into his living room and gets some side eye from his daughter who's playing her Nintendo Switch or or, or DS whatever or whatever. Time, time appropriate. <laughs> Not <Yes>. an anachronistic <laughs> device. <laughs> She didn't get much here, but props to the young, to both the young actresses that played his daughters and this, I thought they did a good job. He walks over to his eldest daughter, Sasha's room. She's on the phone, typical teenager, rolling her eyes at him for walking in. Like, how dare he? And she looks him off, sort of like, geez, come on, dad. So <sighs> leaves her room. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> ah, get out. And meanwhile, we're getting the voiceover, the profile. Uh, he feels like he's unwanted and obsolete in, in their lives. He feels emasculated and humiliated by his wife. And, of course, we see him opening the door to, to his wife. And she's on her computer working. And she basically just <laughs> leads him back out. She completely walks dis- to the door and shuts it in his face. Man, yeah. rude. Yeah. So now we know that our guy is delusional. He's dressing up in his road warrior persona that gives him the feeling of power. And basically, sooner or later, we think he's going to kill his entire family. Salinas asks what we're going to do. And Hot says, okay, well, we're going to enact a threefold. Our strategy is threefold. (laughs) Fold number one. (laughs) Uh, First... We're going to find every small model blue SUV owner in the estimated kill zone. Second, we're going to set up a single alternate merge scenario in that zone and man it with our people. And numero trace, we're going to release the profile to the public because somebody out there knows this guy. They just don't realize they know it. Step one, cut a (laughs) hole in the box. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes. So, uh, AJ, we now cut to Norman in his office. He's eating his lunch, which is very bologna sandwich milk. <laughs> uh, from a, like a, like a sippy a, box. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, he's a child. Apple. You know what? He gave me, when we cut to him in his cubicle, really quick, I got flashes of John Locke and season one of Lost at his, uh, at his work. Just in his cubicle. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of that, a little bit of uh, office space. And we remember it's Stapler, remember it's Stapler. There's a lot of that going on there. Yeah. It's just amazing. This guy, this bitch lady, pretty much got his big break playing a serial killer in Shocker who was electrocuted. Like, he's not a meek person, but the fact that he can pull this meek off so well, it's just, he's such a great actor. You just don't realize it sometimes when you don't see them in these disparate roles. But this, I mean, he's so good at being this like meek me. Definitely. So just before a blonde woman walks up to him to bother him at work, we do see that he's sort of flashing back to some kind of car accident. Uh, it doesn't look to be the same as the woman flipping over that he shot, but just some sort of car accident. We get a quick flash of that. Quick flash. And like I said, a blonde woman at work walks up to him. Hey, Norman, can you put this on my account? He's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to need Mr. Banning's approval. She's like, oh, whenever you get around to it. Kind of just one of those annoying people at work. 
<laughs> annoying people at work, but the key there is blonde. And, yes. And, and uh, kind of belittling him a little bit. Oh, could you just do this for me, honey, baby, baby, boo, boo, boo. Yeah. Not, not a good look. <laughs> yeah. She leaves and somebody I just labeled as work dude slash boss. <laughs> boss, yeah. Boss dude. Still, He's still waiting for some expense reports. And he starts to kind of like harangue about, harangue him about it. And he's, he's like, I need that summary. And Norman's like, I know I, I got it. Got it in here somewhere. What else he has in his drawer, AJ, is his shotgun. <laughs> and he looks like he's getting ready to just pull it out then and there on this he, guy. He was, he, he was very, very close. Thankfully, the boss, unbeknownst to himself, of course, saved his own bacon by saying, eh, you know, they want you to react. Don't let, don't give the sixth floor what they want. <laughs> right. right. It, basically, he saves himself, like you said, without even knowing it. I like you, Norman. I think that's, you know, he shows him a little little bit of respect. A little respect. I'm on your side, Norman. You're a good guy. Yes. And uh, so instead of the gun, he pulls out the report, gives it to him. Here it is. And meanwhile, somebody in the office turns up the TV because that's what you do in the office. You turn on the car. The lone TV, which happens to be a direct line of sight of Norman's desk in this maze of desks. (laughs) Oh, lordy. Yes. A little on the nose. A little bit. We got uh, the press conference of Todd. Todd giving, uh, letting people know uh, that they're looking for a white, middle-aged, married father. We believe his wife is blonde, approximately 40 years old, resembles the victims, drives a luxury sedan, and our guy drives a blue model SUV, most likely lives in this area. They've got it circled on the map. So basically, they've got him, and he's <laughs> like, he, he is... Uh, he is watching it. I, you yeah. know, look, I, I just, I'm just... I'm trying to rack my brain here. Look, I live in a small town. And if there was a big criminal investigation going on where they needed to get stuff out to the public, I still don't think they would just cut into the soaps right. and game shows here in my small town <laughs> with the, oh, we got we to gotta get this report out to the public, let alone Los Angeles in a case that isn't really active. Right. I mean, I get, I get, you know, school shooting or, you know, active shooter going around. We got to evacuate. Car sure. chase. Break, yeah. break in. Car chase. Break in. Absolutely. Hi, guys. You know, there's a shooting going on. Not right now, but we would like to get the word. That's going to be on the local news at night yeah. in this segment. It's not going to be a break in live scenario. I just, I just don't understand why they do that every week. I know it's TV land on exhibition TV. I get it. It's just a little much. So standing there looking at the TV is the uh, blonde woman from before. And then we get what's clearly like sort of a fantasy, not reality image of her. The camera puts on some kind of blur effect as she turns around looking uh, at Norman. And she says, ah, points bulletin. Be on the lookout for a worthless loser named Norman who resents anyone with a life and kills just to prove he's not an emasculated loser. (laughs) So, yeah, Norman is is breaking from reality, AJ, at this point. Indeed. And he's imagining, I think we hear shotgun blasts at this, you know, like he's imagining shooting her up because she fits the profile of his wife. But thankfully, again, he uh, he just decides to ski-daddle as quickly as possible. 
Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah, Agent Todd is just going on saying everything about him, the trauma in his life, uh, everything. So, yeah, he freaks out. We cut to him in his car and he's just driving away and he even starts at a stop at a stoplight. He starts freaking out and punching the steering wheel and kind of going crazy. But this is what we call having a breakdown. (laughs) They do it to me. They do it to me. Why do they always do it to me? Ah, he's, He's screaming. And a car pulls up to the side of him. A couple of dudes in the car. They're looking over at him just like, hey, are you all right? And uh, when he looks at them, he doesn't get the, hey, are you all right? He just sees them sort of looking at him and laughing at him like they're making fun of him. And so he pulls out his super setup shotgun, which is now like on the mount. He doesn't even have to work too hard. Uh, Quickly fires off two shots. We see a bloody windshield. Then we go to a bit of a break. Indeed. Basically, uh, the moral of the story is don't show compassion to anybody. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, especially in Orange County, California. No. <laughs> so, yeah, back back from the break. Now we're at the crime scene of the this recent car shooting. Detective Salinas says, so we've got Joe Karam and Timothy Calvert, both dead on arrival. They got no warrants. No, they're not bad guys. They work in the area. We're trying to notify their families. Morgan says, yeah, sawed off 12 gauge, close range, shot outside of the driver's side window. Driver was driving a small blue SUV. It's their guy, but he's way off the script now. Now we've got multiple male victims. We're just on a surface street, daytime attack. This guy was driving his own car. Something must have triggered him and pissed him off. So Hotch asks, well, when did this happen? When Selena says approximately 2.20 and Hotch is like, oh, the press conference. Jordan went on the air at 2. He must have been watching the news. At 2? What news at 2? <laughs> yes. That doesn't make any sense. There's no 2 o'clock news. Is there a 2 o'clock news? I don't think there's a 2 o'clock news. You got General Hospital on. You got maybe, like you said, let's make a deal or the Kelly Clarkson show. Well. <laughs> whatever would have been on at that yeah. time. What they are able to figure out, though, is that if he was watching the coverage and then was able to get to this intersection only 20 minutes later, uh, and if you take into account traffic and all that, he, ha- he has to be somewhere within 10 miles of here. And when Selena says, so he lives 10 miles here? No, because he was wearing a, a tie and had a suit jacket hanging in the, in the back of the car. So considering what time of day it was, we've got to figure that this guy works in the area. Yeah. And I got to say, again, it's so much so refreshing to have someone who's like basically part of the team uh, as, as the local. Like she, oh, he works here. OK, got yeah. it, got it. Like, again, she didn't need the extra explanation. She knew what alternate merge was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She just so, her nose. <laughs> yeah. Gina is like JJ. She can't do no wrong. Italian. So Morgan calls up Garcia and asks her to pull up a map of the of the crime scene. And uh, she ties her little bit of usual flirty flirty. And he's just like, yeah, no, no, no. Just go ahead and, and pull up that map and highlight a 10 mile ra- radius around a certain point and then track all the calls coming in from, from this area to the tip line, coordinate it with Prentice and Reed. She says she's all over it, and they think that basically Selena says, you think he's going to do kill again soon, don't you? And Rossi says, 
and he's done killing his surrogates. Yeah, it has just escalated, and we need to find out who this guy is because the ticking clock just became a lot, lot faster. Meanwhile, Todd, Agent Todd storms over to Hotch, and she's just like, did you know? Did you know? And Hotch is like, "Uh, excuse me, and and grabs her because she has the nerve to come confront him, like, in front of people, I guess. In front of people. Uh, well, the media's all around. The front know. of the press, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's a bad look. I get it. You could do that if you're, like, JJ, if you're Morgan, even if you're Reed. If you are the press liaison, don't make yourself look the fool in front of the press. Yeah. Basically, she's upset because she thinks, well, now this guy has gone and killed people because of what I said. I, this is my fault. And Hotch is like, no, you know, we talk to the public. This type of thing is always a possibility. It's part of the job. So let me know if you can do the job or not. She says, damn right I can do this job. Hotch says, good, because guess what? You're going to give another press conference. (laughs) So again. Uh, Two minutes in the penalty box. Yes. Again, we have another press conference. Again, she repeats all the information she's talked about before. But now she's added on to the fact that uh, he left work very abruptly shortly after 2 o'clock watching our earlier press conference. And we do cut to see that Norman is indeed watching this press conference as well. And uh, if anyone has any information, you know, please come to our uh, call in our tip line immediately. One last thing, this guy... Individual is an individual who's committed horrible crimes and he must be held to account, but he is a husband and a father, and he must be capable of some degree of mercy and compassion. And we appeal to him do not hurt any more people, please turn yourself in. And he actually looks like he's thinking about it. Yeah, he's thinking about it. it, it it's just weird to me, though, that if, if the purpose and it is the purpose of this press conference, is to get people to realize that, oh, I know this guy. I should call in. Maybe your graphic with the circle yes. <laughs> around the map shouldn't be this tiny, tiny little inset. Why don't we go full screen on that circle so we at least read one of the street names on it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's basically the map they showed the first time with a big circle, now with a smaller black circle inside of it. Like, Can we get it? The circle centered around Blah Blah Street. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. They just flashed the map like somebody's going to. Yeah. Good point, AJ. I can do this job. (laughs) (laughs) Next, Norman decides he's going to go talk to uh, Corky Sherwood. (laughs) (laughs) He goes into her and she can tell something's up with him. He doesn't look normal. She asks him what's wrong. And he just comes out and says it. I'm the road warrior. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> he says, I'm the road warrior. I'm the free race shooter. And, and I thought I should tell you. <laughs> of course, she doesn't believe it. She's like, of course you are, dear. And I'm the Zodiac killer, basically. <laughs> uh, Let's compare notes over dinner. <laughs> yeah. And she's she's even laughing. And the other daughter comes in. What's so funny? dad confessed he's the road warrior and they're laughing oh you're such a dork yeah meanwhile we were seeing him at work again (laughs) in in his uh his little workshop and meanwhile 
Reed is getting a call, says that, hey, we might have something. And so they've got somebody that they've got to go talk to. So we're going to see them go talk to our boss, whoever. Our boss. Uh, boss figured yeah. it out. Put two and two together. You know what? Norman was here. Now he's not. <laughs> it, and he says when he first heard the description on the first press conference, he immediately thought of Norman. But then it was like, well, but it couldn't be him. He brings him over to Norman's desk, and uh, he also confirms that he has access to all of the company cars. Uh, they ask him what made him think of Norman. What about the first press conference made him think of Norman? And, and he says, well, something." the woman said something about him suffering from a tragedy. That's when we get the flashback to him uh, changing a tire and the a young girl. I'm sure this is the... Uh, daughter Jenny, the youngest daughter, the little princess, uh, gets out of the car while he's sitting there trying to change the tire, and he's yelling at her, no, because a car is coming. She's just like, she wanted to help, but she got out of the car, and she gets hit by a car. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's no good way to stage this to make it look realistic. Uh given the hazy flashback nature of it and everything. And, you know, you're not going to set up a huge big stunt or anything for this, but this accident looked entirely avoidable on. So, and maybe that just makes it more tragic. And yeah, so accidents happen like that, but like, a, she's standing so close to her car and yeah. so close to him. He really could have grabbed her. <laughs> and I get the point. The point is that he didn't, and that you know that, that normalizes, you know, that makes the tragedy all, all that more big. But also, it's one car speeding on a road that either shouldn't be speeding on, which means it's really this this driver's fault for like intentionally just like going on a hundred drag racing. But this, the car could have avoided the girl. She wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It, Make it a freeway or something. Make it look like it, it's it's a dangerous situation. It looks like he actually pulled off to the side of the road at a n- yeah. nice location that was safe and everything. And she got, Daddy, get back in the car. She would have gotten back in the car. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just was a weird setup. I, 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 I get agree. that you have to set this up strategy. There's a tragedy, but it just looked weird. Yeah, apparently six. this happened six months ago. And the boss is like, oh, I really should have done more to help him. So the boss is feeling kind of guilty here. Uh, he gives them Norman's personnel file, which does have his current address. They ask why there appears to be two files there. And he says, the boss says, well, we cross-referenced married couples. And it turns out that Norman's wife, Vanessa, works at, the, at that company as well. Of course, of course, that the file that they gave him, if he were to ever get divorced from Vanessa, it would become an X file. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Yes, it would. So Morgan says, well, okay, we need to speak to Vanessa. And the boss says, well, she's not here. She just got a promotion, so she took a couple of weeks off. Is that odd to you? It is a little odd. (laughs) Congratulations on your promotion. All right, I'm taking a few weeks off. (laughs) I mean, I guess if it's the kind of promotion, though, thinking about this, if it's the kind of promotion that would cause them to throw a party for her at work, then perhaps it's like, okay, you got a really big promotion. We got to set up an office for you. We got to give you all this new stuff. Take two weeks seems a bit long, but you know, take a week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and because you're going to be working here nonstop, twenty four seven for the next sixteen years of your life. So I guess maybe 
It, it just the timing does seem a little odd. Agreed. So then we're cutting to Norman, and he's clearly he's clearly lost it. He's sweating up a storm at his house, and I I would say at this point he clearly has some loose screws. <laughs> and he he comes into his family, and he's he's telling his daughters get in the car. She says, I, I just got home from school. He screams at her, don't talk back to me. They're like, uh, what's going on? You'll see. Everybody just get in the car. Everybody now. And so next we cut to them in the car and Norman sweating, clearly nervous. Uh, he's speeding. Vanessa's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Slow down. What do you mean? And he's driving crazy through the streets. He almost hits a cop car. Which then, of course, causes the cop car to start chasing after them. The daughters are in the backseat screaming, Dad, let us out of the car. Basically, there's a big sort of action scene here that basically happens. The police are chasing after him. Families sort of, ah, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> a few more cars swerving. They plead for him to stop. Please, Dad, this is crazy. Stop the car right now. He's just screaming at them all to shut up, shut up. Uh, We see a quick cutoff to Detective Salinas. She says, okay, where? And she reports to them that they have a a chase going on. Um, Sounds like it's their guy. Why didn't they just turn on the news? You know the chase is going to be on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Especially on Exposition TV. (laughs) So Morgan and Reed are going to go somehow try to join into this car chase. Uh, So they're on their way. We have more car chases back and forth. L.A. car chase, sirens, family screaming, Norman, please stop. Uh, He's like, no, no, we should have done this a long time ago. What Done what? They ask, you know, what are you talking about? You can't go on living in that house. We've got to move on. I don't know how you could keep looking at the same walls, the same pictures. She's like, Norman, what are you talking about? His wife, he's like, it's my job to make everything right again. Cut real quick to Reed, who's, I don't understand why Reed is giving directions to to Morgan here. Do you have the uh, explanation for that? Because Reed is giving him like, turn here, like giving him, looking at his map. Yes, he has his map and Reed's map man. And he's sitting, he's sitting, (laughs) pardon the pun, shotgun. And, uh, and Emily's in the backseat. We know that Emily probably doesn't know directions because she doesn't even know what alternate merge is. So uh, <laughs> I, I, this is an interesting point. I, 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 we have found, my wife and I watch this all the time, and Sarah pointed out to me that most of these episodes, the BAU comes into these towns, which they've never been in before, and never need directions. They know every turn, and if they're chasing up stuff... He's on seventh. We got to turn him before he reaches nineteenth. And like Elm, and how do they know the directions of everyone? I think they the reason they know the directions and their way to drive around every town is basically this scene, because yeah. this is the scene that you would have to do every single episode when there's a chase. Where am I going? What am I doing? <laughs> and I think we just we proved this time. Yet yeah, we tried it to fill maybe to clarify a loophole. Well, how does Morgan know where to go? He doesn't know the streets, and maybe he'd know a major city. Certainly in Chicago, I, I buy that he knows the way around his hometown. But, like, yeah, this just doesn't work. Turn. We got to get more time than that, kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, but it is a, a nice little bit of comedy with Reed. 
yeah, it's a it's a little funny. Like especially especially when he does make make a turn and he goes woo woo. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, after a little bit more chase, Norman clearly has lost it. He's pulled out his shotgun. I wonder if his wife believes him now. <laughs> <laughs> About the road wire. And he actually starts shooting at the cops. The wife and the daughters are screaming, oh, my God, where'd you get that? And he's, Norman is screaming, I tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. And the cops are like going over the radio. Shots fired. Shots fired. And they figure that maybe Reed starts to figure maybe the chase looks like it's headed toward the general direction of where Norman's house is. So next we see the team arrive outside uh, Norman's house. They, they radio in. Okay, we're outside the house now. Meanwhile, we're, so we're getting now shots between cut back and forth between Norman's house. And the- yeah, we basically we just get this whole big, whole big back and forth, back and forth, back and forth of, of the chase and them going to the house. They are taking their sweet ass time walking around the house. They don't even have their guns drawn at this point. And I realize they know that they have eyes on the road warrior because Morgan Reed and Prentice are driving in a car very fast on the highway behind him. But still, pull your guns, show a yep. little urgency to get in the house. Like, well, let's walk around the side. <laughs> they find the open door in the garage. They go in the garage. They see the car. Rossi knows it's a James Bond car. Like, oh, Lordy, just it's drawn out. Yeah. Again, Norman screaming. His wife is screaming at him, where'd you get the gun? And basically, Norman is like, how could you forget her so fast? They, she knows he's talking about the, the daughter they lost. She says, you think I forgot? He says, you moved on. She says, I cry every day. And Norman is just like, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. We get the fact that the Memorial Bridge is around the next corner. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, hold on, hold on. It's just car chase, car chase. Uh, meanwhile, cut back to the house. Hey, Vanessa Hill, FBI, are you safe? Salinas is like, maybe they went somewhere safe. So basically they go into the house. They start looking around. Meanwhile, in the car chase, there's the Norman saying it's his fault. It's his fault. No, it's she's saying, yes, it is your fault. The wife is saying, yes, it is your fault. You let her die. No one else was around. Sasha wasn't there. I wasn't there. You let her die. And he's screaming at them to shut up at the house. Rossi and Hotch and Totter and Salinas are there and they grab the, they look at all his car models, point out the Aston Martin that he was brushing before James Bond, Goldfinger. So you get the kind of an idea of this guy's fantasy life sort of cut back to the chase and uh, Reed and Morgan have actually caught up. They asked the cops uh, to take the lead in, in this chase. They believe this is severely deranged suspect. So the cops just say, copy. I guess these are cops that are fine with the BAU coming in and doing whatever they have to do. So there's a lot of action going on here, AJ. We cut back to the house and we see Hotch and Agent Todd open up various different daughter's rooms and they have a sick look in their face like something is very wrong with whatever they have found. Norman and his wife still arguing and they get into a, another tremendous car crash and a flip 
with one of the police cars. Well, not, not not even a different get into the wife gets so upset with yes. with Norman, and she's like basically like stop, 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 and she just grabs the wheel and throws him into the police car. Yeah. So the car has flipped over, and before the cops can uh, get a bead on him, Morgan is like, no, 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 let me don't shoot. Let me. I'm gonna handle this. So basically, he's gonna stop the cops from from shooting this guy dead. Norman gets out of the car. He's bloodied. He's saying, my family's inside. My family's inside. Uh, Morgan's like, stop. Listen to me. Don't move. Nobody's in that car. Because AJ, nobody was in the car with Norman. No. He was apparently hallucinating this whole thing the whole time because... Back at the house, they have found the bodies of his wife and other two daughters. It's a bloody mess back at the house. There's nobody in the car with Norman. They were never with him. Morgan has to explain this to Norman. Uh, your family's gone, Norman. And Norman starting to flash back to him shooting his wife, him going into his daughter's room and, and firing. And he starts to realize finally what he's done. He's, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do to my family? Morgan has grabbed him. It's it's over, Norman. We're going to get you some help. Yeah, this scene is just brilliant. The acting from Mitch Valachi in this sequence is is just phenomenal. Gets me every time just to see this man come into the realization of what he's done and the memory finally breaks through. And by watching that memory... We can place the time of the shooting to right after he had sex with his wife. That that night, it's a, it's basically it it shows that when he went to those doors, he didn't just touch the door, right, and then and then go saw off his shotgun. He shot them all, right. That right night, right in there. But it also because we know that's the night that he shot them all. It also means that. He was planning because the gift was the gift wrap shotgun. Not, you know, where did you get the gun? Where's the gun? He was actually planning to shoot his wife and all his coworkers at that party. If not for the first incident where, where our first victim cut him off and he shot her instead, yeah. he would have shot up his wife and the office. And most importantly, his two daughters would still be alive. Yeah. Because he would have been caught at that point. <laughs> he yeah, shoot up the yeah, office, yeah. they would they would have got him. So essentially, by this mother cutting him off, <laughs> she killed his daughters. Yeah. But she saved the lives of everyone at the office. <laughs> I, I don't blame her at all. It just, it's just interesting like that that's actually he was already gone at that point, even before the first yeah. kill. It only delayed the inevitable for, for a little bit. Butterfly effect kind of the type mm-hmm. of Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it, and this is where the writing is a little... I, now, she had to be off for two weeks because otherwise here, 10, 11 days later, they would have figured out, oh, you know, she hasn't come to work. Let's check on her. So they would have found the bodies by now. So the only way to get around that was to say that, oh, and she went on a two-week vacation, which is why it's in there. But, you know, yeah, a little clunky. Yeah. So but worth we, it, I think, worth it, I think, for this reveal and this, this yeah, acting job. Yeah, and it... it it was well done. I, I'm, I'm not sure my description of everything gave everything justice. 
Well, and the reason is, is so because it's, it's it's so drawn out, and they they are drawing this out an extra few minutes because you know the, when when the BAU team's in the house, like they go into the kitchen and they all smell something. So, yeah, and, but you know then they cut away, and then the, they open the first door, and Hosh just looks in, shakes his head. You could interpret it as, oh, there's no one in here, <laughs> right. because he doesn't really have a big reaction. It's not until Rossi opens his door, and oh, we see blood on the sheet. Like you're like, oh, and he calls Morgan. Which is how Morgan knows that the family's gone is because Rossi called him. So, it, it, but it's all done silently, and, and you have to pick up on it. And it is one of those things where if you watch it a second or a third time, then oh, okay, I, I get the timing of it. It's a little confusing otherwise. And considering they beat you over the head with everything else in this episode, perhaps they could have, you know, beat us over the head a little bit more with this one, or just done it quicker. Right. <laughs> Uh, we do get a quick little scene here where Agent Todd is is out front and, and Rossi comes up to her to, to check on her. And she's wondering, did she cause all of this? Is this her fault? And Rossi is saying, no, 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 no. We, no way, kiddo. He says, uh, they were they were gone before we even got the case. We knew he was hurt his family. We didn't realize he already did. And Todd is like, you know what? I'm I'm not even sure I can do this job. And Rossi says that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so all the bravado is gone because let's face it: a, she just actually had to witness what she witnessed in that house, which couldn't have been pleasant, even for someone who's done right. this a long time. Uh, but compound it with like now she's feeling guilt, even though they they're going to assuage her. Like ugh. she's actually very competent at the job. Mm-hmm. To be clear, she's very good at this job. It's just why would you want to do this job? Yeah, exactly. BAU Jet goes home and we get a quote from Rossi. There's no tragedy in life like the de- death of a child. Things never get back to the way they were. President Dwight Eisenhower. And then, thank God, we have this little scene at the end. Just oh, to- it's, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster. And it, it, like I said, it's just like, oh, I can't find Oh, my God. And yeah. then thought, oh, I don't think I can do this job. Yes. Uh, so as the team is headed heading back into the office, Morgan asks Todd if she's all right. She says she will be. And Prentice is like, you guys ever notice how the trip home always seems to go so much faster? And Reed says, well, yeah, that's because the tailwinds are in our favor. And that's not what Prentice meant. And she's not even going to discuss. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah never mind. <laughs> yeah. Wanna, I don't have time wants for this right now, yeah, Reed. Let's eat. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Reed notices that there's someone in the uh, conference room. And then we hear, baby, what are you doing here? It's JJ. Yes. Yay. JJ has the baby with her. Uh, she says, Garcia said you guys were on your way back. I thought you could use this prize. And everybody starts ooing and eyeing over the baby. And, and Hotch is like, I thought I gave you strict orders. Get this place out of your head for a while. Garcia takes comes in and is like, that's my bad. I, I couldn't help myself. She has a bottle with her. She's like, here, here you go. I heated it up. And JJ says, look, I just realized that with all this we see and all that we see in here in this room, uh, it never smiles. I wanted one at least one good memory to hold on to in here. Morgan asks JJ if he can hold the baby. Oh, of course. She looks a little surprised. Like, Morgan wants to hold the baby? (laughs) She's like, oh, of course. 
And, you know, he starts to hold the baby and everybody's princess and everybody else. Oh, you got to be careful. Like, hold the, hold the head up. Yeah. And Morgan's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. They look at the baby and what's he doing? And the baby starts smiling. Morgan is like, ah, he is smiling at Derek Morgan. And, <laughs> and uh, Prentice and Garcia both look at each other and say, gas. And Morgan is just like, hey, little man. JJ looks over at Hotch, who is also smiling. And she tells him, oh, you're smiling. And Hotch says, gas. <laughs> that, was, that was good. good. Yeah. He, look, he's a normal human being. He just doesn't want to show it at work. It's, 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 it's nice to see. And uh, you'll notice that everybody is in this room, but not Agent Todd. Agent Todd is not in this scene. Yeah. It's a little like, yeah, she, I, I, she went home. <laughs> She's not uh, part of this family. Not really. And, and the end line is Hotch telling JJ, we miss you. And that that's the end. What did you think? That was a, a pretty good episode. I, I like this episode. I mean, it's a little jarring when you're watching them in, in sequence and go from, uh, you know, Murphy Brown to Murphy Brown. I promise Grant showed is not next week's episode. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I think the acting all across the board, everybody in this episode, from, from even the, the kid who we see in one scene uh, to taking care of his mom, like, he actually goes on to, like, general hospital after this for, like, a couple of years. Like, you know, the, but the daughters are fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, just Faith Ford and Mitch Pelleggi just knock it out of the park. I mean, Gina Torres. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's just, just, this is just great acting in this episode, top to bottom. I thought the characters are realistic. I said, the writing, a little clunky, but I'm willing to forgive it because the performances really elevate the material. Agreed. So let's do what we do each week at the end of an episode. We discuss if the team, quote unquote, won the case for the week. Uh, we call it our BAU-rometer, BAU-rometer. And uh, what do you think, AJ? Okay. Now, it's not their fault because this family was dead Ten days before they were called in to the case. Right. And it's, like they said, this is a really hard case to solve because of the randomness and it's needle in a haystack. However, I am giving them an L because it's clear that the emotional toll on Todd has caused this team to lose this week. Like, when you come out of a case and one of your team members is basically like, I have to quit. And they didn't really do anything to solve the case. Not really, really. I think I got to give him an L on this one. Interesting. Okay. It, it, so, look, if, if if he had not like in his delusion swerved his own car, yeah, yeah. you know, You're not like, wrong. they didn't really do anything. You are not wrong. All right. Oh, good. The other thing we like to do at the end of the episode is sort of tease out what the next episode is with a little question. Uh, and designed to embarrass me. <laughs> so, AJ, uh, if you want to explain this segment for our new listeners. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very simple. There's only going to be one question here as we tease it out. What is the plot going to be in the next episode? And that episode is Criminal Minds, Season 4, Episode 12, entitled... Soulmates. Soulmates. Is it A, a woman in her 50s is killing young brides-to-be for 
stealing her reincarnated true love. Is it B? After a gypsy fortune teller predicts that a man will die in one week, he decides to take action to convince the object of his desire to love him. Is it C? Two renegades on the run, and very much in love, go on a cross-country killing spree. Or is it D? When a young girl goes missing in Florida, the local cops make what the BAU fear is a very premature arrest. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Soulmates. (laughs) Soulmates. Um... Those are all very good choices, AJ, as per usual. And I have no clue. For no reason at all, I'm going to go with choice D when the young girl in Florida goes missing. When a young girl in Florida goes missing and a premature arrest, and what happens is your guess. Yes. And can Todd. It is a very happy day, for that is indeed what we are going to be seeing next week. Whoa! A young girl going missing Florida. Soulmates, I mean, I don't have a a ranking of all 300 episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if I I were to just ballpark guess on a top 10, this one is definitely my top 10. I really enjoy this episode coming up. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. So, uh, like I said, this... Four, season four is really good, and you know, I can't wait. Uh, excellent! I I'm excited for it. Then, excellent, excellent, excellent! I can't wait. And folks, that is going to be the end of this week's show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Hope you had a great time. Please be sure to subscribe to rate review our podcast on your favorite pack, podcast platform. Be sure to spread the word. Let your friends know about us. You can. Also write to us at feloniousplanets at gmail.com. I'm still checking it. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up! You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are Norman Vincent Peale.